This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we're always here to answer your personal finance questions. But this morning, we're also going to talk about some personal finance topics that you should master. When you send an email to money at mpbonline.org, we might not have an opportunity to answer it on the air, but uh, Nancy and or Ryder will always reply to your emails so that you'll get the information that you're looking for. And to start the show each week, we talk about financial news in the news. Nancy, you're up first. Well, I've been reading about housing, and it's really interesting, Kevin. My goodness. Last year, um, if you look just at the housing industry, it looked like it was in recession. Not the full economy, but within that particular industry, as we saw declines there. But it has started to heal. And what's surprising about that is that's happening even with rising interest rates. So mortgage rates are sitting around 7%. We're expecting uh, a further increase in rates this week and maybe uh, increases later on. But still, um, we see people are buying. Now, prices have moderated a little bit. But guess what? They're already starting to go the other way. So in the top um, urban areas around the country, prices have gone up around half a percent last month. So that's very interesting to see that happening. And the biggest part of that is coming from new houses. So there's been some relief in the supply chain. So those builders can get those materials and they're able to complete those houses faster. So Ryder talks all the time about we need houses. We need houses for families that are. So we're finally building we're some finally houses. We're finally building some houses <laughs> oh my again. Goodness, thank goodness. And it's happening faster, but we still are low on supply, and it's quite healthy out there. People do have to live somewhere, and so I'm very glad that more houses are being built so that they'll have some place to live. But one thing you said, Nancy, you described housing as a in a recession last year and coming out of that. What what does that mean? What are you looking at to say, oh, housing is in a bad place and it's getting better? What sort of other numbers do you think about? Well, mainly uh, the decline in the prices. And of course, we all know that real estate is all about location. So there were some hot locations around the country. They peaked. And they're even hotter now that it's summer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we saw those prices move back from their peaks. And that's a little startling for those sellers who got used to just, you know, putting that big old price tag out there and seeing Expe- it snapped up a cash in a matter of days. Above, yeah. above asking, yes. But that has has moderated and uh but it's still we're still seeing housing uh moving quite healthy. A lot of activity, a lot of sales, a lot of new houses coming in, a lot of permits. Um so it's pretty healthy. And I guess because they're such involved in, in building a house in terms of contractors and supplies and that sort of thing, that this really is good for the economy in sort of a, maybe a number of different ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. H- housing is a huge part of the economy. It's something like 
30% or so. If you think about it, your average budget is spending a lot of money on not just mortgage or rent payments, but also uh, maintenance and furniture and things that go along with buying a house because you can't just move into an empty well, you could move into right, an empty but house, you don't. but it's nice to get a mattress on the floor at the very least. And then once you get once once you give a mouse a mattress, you got to give them a blanket, and then you got to give them a I, bed stand, yeah, and, and <laughs> curtains, and blinds, and yeah. a lawnmower. So all of that that comes with home ownership. Yeah, you go from blinds to a lawnmower. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So yes, it's a big part of the economy. All right, Ryder, what's on your mind this morning? Yeah, so this is something that happens. Startlingly, unfortunately, upsettingly frequently, you hear about a data breach at a large company. And uh, most recently, we talk about how we manage investment accounts mostly using uh, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, uh, low-cost broker. TD Ameritrade announced a very small data breach over the weekend. And so I just thought it was always a good chance to remind people if you think you are in a data breach or if you have been, if if your information has been compromised, uh, what can you do about it? Uh, First is understand what information was taken. So very often, these are usernames names, email addresses, and passwords. Uh, those those are very frequently accessed, and so the first thing to do is make sure you're not using those passwords elsewhere. So focus on your password hygiene. Uh, if you use that same password everywhere, uh, don't do that. Uh, I love that phrase, <laughs> password hygiene. That's yes, great. Yes, so you gotta you gotta keep it clean, cl- uh, squeaking clean, and good practices. I'm a big fan of using password managers. Uh, so a lot of times they will be built into your computer system. If you have an iPhone, you've got one built in there. As a very secure way of of holding your password, they'll even generate crazy passwords for you. Um, using two factor authentication, that's all part of that password hygiene. Uh, credit monitoring or protection of some sort is not a bad idea. Uh, just be wary of companies offering that because, again, that's just another place that you're giving a lot of personal information to that might be compromised. Um, you can monitor your credit. We talk about this all the time. Annual annualcreditreport.com you can monitor your own credit and what you're looking for is unauthorized accounts, accounts that you did not open or just numbers that are crazy wrong you know you say oh well I do have a Visa card but I don't have a Visa card with a $10,000 balance. Now, that's weird. Uh, and that's good for, for all things. We're going to talk about credit reports later. It's ma- making sure you, you're, you are monitoring that so that it's not just uh, fraud that you're monitoring for or theft you're monitoring for. You're also monitoring um, just to make sure that the reports are accurate. Uh, and then just another step is you can always check further. There is a tool uh, online <laughs> – the website is haveibeenpwned.com. Oh, That's gosh. have I been P-W-N-E-D.com. Uh, so little tricky uh, to remember the spelling there. But you can check and see if your email address has popped up in any uh, major hacks, uh, in any leaks. And they also have some good, reliable information there. They also have a monitoring service. But I, again, I... 
<laughs> giving your email address out to more places and then you're getting alerts about alerts and it's that could get a little bit chaotic. So. And gosh, we just finished watching this series called Rabbit Hole and the whole premise was about this uh, taking of all of our data mm. and accessing all of our information and how we basically as a society put everything we out really there we really and do. people can know things about you and then market to you mm-hmm. and take over the world. Yeah, and and all of this is kind of a good reminder that it's it's your information is definitely out there somewhere. You're having to give your information to so many places. So uh, being good on the front end about it. So again, having that good password hygiene, just being vigilant of uh, any new place you're giving your information to is great. Um, because again, that information is out there. It's going to get out there at some point. So be aware of what you're putting out there and, and just just be vigilant. All right. I'm going to end this segment uh, with uh, a term that I learned about today. I'd never heard before, but now know what it is. <clears throat> skip lagging. Oh, I just read about that yesterday. So skip lagging is when you a passenger books a cheaper mm. ticket that have a layover with the intention of skipping the second leg of the flight. So if you go to A to you want to go from A to B, but you find that it's cheaper to go to A through B to C mm-hmm. and then you just don't go to C. Well, it's uh, gave a lot of a new attention online this week after news broke that the American Airlines has canceled a 17-year-old boy's ticket after realizing he wasn't planning on boarding his connecting flight. On Monday, his parents told uh, Insider, which is where this article comes from, the airline had banned him from flying with them for three years as punishment. Wow. I, I, I think that's ridiculous. They sold him a ticket. At a price that they were willing to accept and at a price he was willing to pay. Yeah. So here's 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 the thing for people living in Jackson, Mississippi, you can't get a direct flight to Chicago. You can get a flight through Chicago where it is the first stop. Mm -hmm. You know that that's ridiculous. Well, this is interesting to me because it's kind of when... Get American Airlines on the phone. I am upset about this. <laughs> it seems like when consumers sort of game the system and, and do something to save they money cut, that they get, yeah. they get slapped. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, I bought a bulk pack of you know, strawberries at the market, but I only plan on eating 75% of them. Oh no, we're going to have to ban you from buying strawberries. Right. You were willing to sell me that at well, a fair and, market price? And what this article mentioned is that in many cases, uh, doing that connection is at a discounted price, and that's why people do it, because uh, the the uh, straight They've line is They've got to fill those planes is one of the things. Exactly. You know, they're, they're well, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be the airline's rationale was like, well, he, you that was a seat we could have then sold had we exactly. known you weren't going to be exactly. on there. Um, interestingly enough, this is it's been popular on TikTok. Some people say to do it. Others saying, don't do it. You're going to get in trouble. But don't do it on the the front end of your journey if you're going to do it. Because you're right. Because, because they they'll might cancel catch you return on the trip. back end. Yes. <clears throat> a, a TikTok creator has come up with this idea. Buy an entire row of fully refundable tickets and then refund two out of the three about 45 minutes before boarding. And suddenly you have the whole row to yourself. That's absolutely incredible. I'm going to do that. That's <laughs> That's such a good idea. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, it's like, yeah, well, I don't know. I uh, seems like I'm always in the little small planes where it's just one seat on my side of the aisle anyway. So but, are but, you having to put your arm out the window and flap? <laughs> Some, sometimes you got to pitch in, Nancy. Yes, you do. <laughs> but we do have some callers on the line, and as promised, we'll start in Ridgeland with Steve. Good morning, Steve. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys today? Good. 
uh, I enjoy your show, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I, I, uh, you were talking about credit monitoring uh, apps and programs. Uh, I, I have uh, experienced credit monitoring, and the reason I, I have it is because uh, roughly a year ago, a little over maybe, uh, I got a call. I have a Discover card. And I don't have credit monitoring through them, but they do some monitoring. And, and they called me and told me that uh, someone was trying to buy a car in Texas. Wow. Uh, under my name. And asked if it was me. And I said, no. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll they put out some alert uh, to all three credit agencies uh, for me. And then I... Uh, they, they suggested I might want to try credit monitoring to lock my, uh, my credit, you know, on all, on all three agencies, Experian and, and the other two, uh, uh, credit companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I started Experian and it was initially $34 a month. Uh, and then I... Then I saw an ad somewhere where it was uh, 29, so I called them, and they lowered it to 29. But I'm kind of wondering now um, if there are other apps. You know, I'm considering maybe dropping that and using Discover because it's only 15, but I don't think I can lock my credit. But is that important if you're monitoring it? Well, Steve, let me ask this question. Um, I don't know how old you are. Are you uh, looking? 68. You're 68. So are you looking to secure more credit, open a credit card, buy a house, buy a car, anything uh, like no. that? No. We just bought a new car and, and uh, you know, we had a, a 2017 and, and we just bought a new one and I just pulled a little money out of my retirement and we paid cash for it. Well, you know, not worried about credit, really. Okay, then probably the best thing you can do is to put, you said a credit lock, I would call it a credit freeze. I have done that for myself. And what you do, it's a very small, usually maybe a 10 or $15 fee with each of the three agencies and you ask them to freeze your credit. So that means anyone who tries to open any account, they're going to get kicked out. Because as soon as they try to access that information, it says it's frozen. You can't get in. Right. Um, right. Now, you can unfreeze it temporarily. So if some, you, know, you do this and you think, oh, gosh, but I, I really – there is something that has come up and I, I do want to open this new account – you can unfreeze it temporarily. And so it's it's fairly easy to do. You need to keep up with uh, your pens, any kind of passwords that you use to get into those. Um, but I have done that myself. And that's what I have done rather than having a credit monitoring system on my accounts because there's no way anybody can, can get new credit if my credit is frozen. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and Steve, I just want to echo some of that. A lot of the credit monitoring services, even the paid ones that you get through, again, the, the credit uh, credit reporting agencies, the Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, you can do most of those things for free. So, again, you're 
uh, entitled to a free credit report once a year from any of the agencies. Right. And I believe actually Equifax, when they got in so much trouble a couple of years ago, oh, they made yeah. it so that you could get You're it right. even more frequently. Mm-hmm. So they all charge, and, and I, I think $30 is an absurd amount of money to pay for this sort of service. Um, Me too, that's why. Yeah, and I know there are people who have a even a uh, identity theft insurance of some sort. Sometimes that is even included on some other insurances you may have, uh, which may perform some of the services. Again, I'm always a little, little hesitant about these third-party services. Um, but one thing that... Equifax has, they have a free lock and alert program. Uh, I have not used that one personally, but it's pitched as kind of a softer credit freeze. It's you can on your own fairly easily lock uh, your credit for a certain period of time or forever. You can unlock it. Uh, and it also gives you alerts. Is there an app new, to do that? I believe it's done through an app. Again, now that I'm talking about it, I think it'd probably be a really good idea to at least yeah. give a try. Um, but but again, these credit monitoring services, these credit alert services, they're 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 maybe doing it a lot more frequently and they're taking a lot of the the load off your plate. But if you just have a, a system, you just stick it on your calendar every couple of months, request a different uh, every, you know, you get one every year. So you could do one from each of the three every four months, uh, request a credit report, just look through it for anything weird, uh, Call the agency if you see anything weird. Write the agency if you see anything weird. Uh, freeze your credit if you if you want to. Like Nancy said, you don't think you're going to have to access that. And another thing, if you have credit cards, if you have a mortgage, uh, a lot of credit card companies or mortgage servicers may offer some sort of credit monitoring. I get uh, an email from one of my credit card companies every month that's just a little, hey, we're looking at your credit score. It went up, it went down. You added an account. You took an account away. Right. And and so that would alert me if they said, oh, you've opened three new accounts this month. And I would say, yeah. no, I did not. Let's go dig further. Um, so, Well, the other yeah. thing is on your existing cards, because I, ha- I get an alert every time I use my yes. card. And of course, right. the company is protecting themselves, but it helps me out mm-hmm. because I don't run into a problem sure. immediately. If and then at the end of the day, you see all those alerts and you're like, ooh, did, what I, did, really, I, do? did I really what spend did I all do? that money? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, when I gas up my car, as, as soon as I pull away, I get buzzed about that charge. Right. So if there's something that I can well, say, that was not me, immediately we can stop it. Exactly. We we use Discover. My wife and I both use it, and and I'm she doesn't pay any attention to the text. She doesn't want to get it, but every time she buys something, I get a text. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> and uh, I usually ask her, "What'd you buy today?" Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but do, do you, know, you um, I, Steve? I, do you also have a, a couples counselor um, <laughs> on retainer? Yeah, those we alerts are no that, substitute. We've been married 41 years, so I think we're okay. You're good. But, uh, Doing all right so far. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about, after thinking about this, the Discover card, you know, without paying any extra, they're the ones that notified me, and they've done that twice. Hmm. Once when... Mm-hmm. When I was out of town, you know, we were traveling, and I used it, and they called me, wanted, 
you know, wanting to know if it was me. And uh, because I didn't notify them that I was going to be traveling. And, and then when, when somebody was trying to buy a car, but, you know, it, it just shocked us and scared us a little bit. So we, that's why we, we purchased the Experian package and locked the account. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, from what you're telling me and, and what I'm seeing with just with Discover, uh, I can probably uh, save $30 a month. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're trying to knock out all those. You know, you don't think about you know, when you're when you're paying bills and you're paying twenty dollars a month or fifteen or even ten dollars a month. You don't think about it. It's not it's not as uh, on my mind as if I'm paying four hundred or five hundred dollars a month. You know, that's a if great point. Ten dollars and twenty five dollars and thirty dollars a month. They right. all add up. Yeah. And, Steve, companies count on us not paying attention to those smaller amounts. Right. And you'll even right. see amounts smaller than that, you know, $3, $5 that we don't sure. pay attention to. But you're right. That's a great point. They add up. Right. Well, thank you all very much for your, your help. And uh, like, like I said before, I enjoy your show. I listen to it all the time. And, and uh, hope you guys have a great day. Thanks. Thanks right. for calling. Thank you, Steve, for your phone call. Let's stay on the phone lines next. We're off to Memphis. Ela has called in today. Good morning, Ela. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I work for the airline, and I can't tell you which one. Uh-oh. Because, um, you know, there's stuff. But um, so for the first thing, for the skip, whatever gap, whatever y'all saw that, I don't even know. Um, you're right. I absolutely agree with you. They sold the product, and you can use it any way you want. So I totally agree, not to mention the fact that this is an industry that oversells all the time. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's that. Um, So if you really wanted to go after it and be able to fly on a certain airline for three years that they banned you, you could maybe sue them or something for it and maybe have a, you know, uh, what do they call it, a... You know, with a whole group of people going a class through. action suit. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I think I think, I think the attorneys' <laughs> ears are perking up. Yeah, we 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 have a the legal show is it's up next, next if we want to foment something there. <laughs> so that's the first thing, and the second one about you know buying the whole row and then returning it. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's iffy at best because the gate agents swap people around. You know, somebody wants to sit with their mm, kid. That's you true. know, whatever. So it's not a guarantee. I mean, it may work sometimes if they're not, you know, you know, whatever. It's kind of hit or miss. What so. if you booked the whole plane, though? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's between you and your credit card. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a real big cash flow issue, but. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to kind of put my two cents in uh, on that. So. Oh, I really nice. appreciate I that. So much. All right. Y'all take care. Thanks, Ela. Good to hear from you this morning. That's a great call, and I hope she was using a pseudonym, uh, although she's, she's you said Memphis, so I mean, the only airline out of there is FedEx. Yeah, she's got no, people, no, got, we talking about? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking you're putting yourself in a box and shipping yourself somewhere, because FedEx has great <laughs> rates, I mean, honestly, you know, if you can get comfortable with that. Well, I would say the skip lagging to me is, as we said, you know, you paid for it. The, the buying the three tickets and, and trying to get rid of yeah, the two. Yeah, I that, agree. It's that's a little sketchy. Yeah. And that's so. definitely like you're clearly 
being very rude to the rude to the, uh, yes to the rude. I mean, if, if you owned a store and someone kept returning things you would ask them to stop even buying things. well i mean i think the some of the big box stores that used to have more liberal uh, return policies are are experiencing that very thing and sort of cutting back on it and again when a couple of people try to go, get away with something it sometimes hurts the rest of us who are just out there honestly trying to plug along there so mm. monday talks is mpb think radio's personal finance broadcast kevin farrell here with dr nancy lotridge anderson president of new perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're ready this morning to handle your personal finance questions, but we also, uh, while we wait for your phone calls, have a list of some personal finance topics that you should master. You can email the show by sending it to money at mpbonline.org. So first on our list is debt. So, Nancy, one thing you should know about debt is sort of money, fees, things connected to it. Uh, talk about interest and those sorts of things. Well, let me back up and just talk about good debt versus bad debt because there is this notion out there that all debt is bad. And often uh, we have people say to us, oh, you sound like Dave Ramsey. Well, Dave Ramsey is very debt averse for all debt is bad everything. Character. All yeah. debt is bad. We don't feel that way. Um, debt uh, on a car that a, that's a reasonable car that allows you to get to work so you can earn income, that seems like a pretty good deal. Um, debt on purchasing a house where you will build equity and you'll have um, an appreciating asset, that's a good deal. Um, Even student loans, what about those, Ryder? If you are investing in your education so that you can have a higher income for the rest of your life, that's that's something that might pay off. And, and, And student loans in particular, we will talk about terms, what that means, but the terms of student loans, just make them a very attractive uh, piece of debt to have or to so take out. think about what is good debt and what is bad debt. Well, bad debt would be credit card debt or what I call consumer debt. So you're taking on debt to buy stuff that doesn't last, you know, a pair of shoes, Kevin, <laughs> uh, where you're putting on your credit card. And most consumer debt is very high interest rate debt. So we look at mortgage debt as probably being at the low point of the totem pole as far as the rate, the lowest rate you can get because it's a longer term. And at the upper end is going to be your credit cards, which are now sitting around an average of about 19 percent. That's bad debt. And any kind of debt that you take on that um, doesn't give you some value, whether it's producing income in the future or a growth in the appreciation of an asset, then that's bad debt. Just an example, you know, I've shared on the air a number of times that I have had trouble managing money throughout the years. I've gotten better Not at it. Not you, Kevin. No, and it's partly because I was the host of this show for so long, yeah. that, you know, osmosis or whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> one of my problems was, well, I can't afford this, so I'm going to put it on a credit card. And if it's something, right. you know, mm-hmm. shoes, clothing, that sort of thing. So that's that's really one way to avoid it. And that certainly is an example of bad debt is I got this because I wanted it, but I really couldn't afford it. And yep. sometimes you have to use that credit card. And certainly we've been talking about data and everything that gets online. You really can't function. Well, some people do, but it's very difficult to function without some sort of credit card that you can use. And sometimes you have to use that for some big event. Okay, you need 
tires on your car or, or the transmission has blown out and you don't have the ready cash. But we always back up and say to folks, if you run into a problem like that, then you really need to look at the uh, building of your emergency cash fund because that's what keeps you from falling back on that credit card. Uh, more debt conversation in just a minute, but we do have a caller on the line. So why don't we say good morning to Michael in the Hub City, Hattiesburg. Good morning, Michael. Go ahead. Good morning to y'all. I hope y'all are doing well. We are. What do you have for us today? Well, uh, other than the fact that it's not a good idea, <laughs> what are the rules uh, regarding uh, the charging interest rate on a loan to a family member? Ooh. The the IRS does have some rules here. I'm not looking at them right now, but there is a minimum family loan rate uh, because otherwise, if you just give money to a family member, it does look like a gift uh, in the IRS's eyes, and that can have some estate tax implications. Uh, but they do have a minimum family interest uh, family loan interest rate, and I don't think that's a going to be a taxable thing. Uh, these rates are pretty reasonable, but you can kind of charge whatever you want. Uh, but I do agree with your first sentiment. Other than it, um, it's it's not a good idea. Yeah, and if you're gonna if you're gonna go this route, you really need to document it. And oh, so, yeah. so you have a piece of paper that outlines what that rate will be, and you can check with the IRS website to see what, what they're suggesting there. And um, the terms and, and how it will function and the maturity, all of that, and uh, put it in writing so if there is any question about it. Yeah, and, and I would also just kind of think more broadly – is this the best way to help a family member out? Uh, could it be a better idea? You know, maybe this is someone who does not have a credit score of their own. Maybe you can help them build their credit score in another way. Uh, maybe you're helping someone buy their first home. Maybe you could just give them money uh, because that might be what's happening anyway uh, With uh, to, to help with a down payment. Uh, because again, you know, mortgage lenders, there's a whole nother issue with uh, mm, taking yeah. out a loan to help with a mortgage. Uh, so just think about, is this truly the best way to help them? And also, am I okay with not getting any of those payments. So being realistic with it um, and and think of all of the other ways you might be able to help them, including just with educating them. Well, uh, back on the mortgage too, cause, because a lot of families will help with down payments. Uh, if you're going to do that, you better do it uh, way ahead of the time of filing for that loan because they will look at that yes. and they will look askance at any kind of gifts that mm-hmm. help with the down payment. Yes, if they see, if they're looking at your bank statements and they say, "Oh, look, there's a ten thousand dollars that lines up with the down payment. Where did this come from?" Exactly. No, it's it's okay to give uh, from from a family, but if if they're like, "Well, that's actually a loan from my from my father," they'll, they'll be like, ah, "I'm just." Look askance is a, is a good way to say it. And what, what site do I go to to find this uh, family rate? Mm, uh, information is on irs.gov. Um, okay. You can either just Google along with irs.gov or they do have a pretty good search function there on loaning to family members. Okay. I appreciate y'all. All right, good Michael. Luck. Thanks for your question. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Off to Fulton for our next call. Rebecca is on the line. Good morning, Rebecca. Go ahead. Good morning. I, I just am needing help in trying to save, and I don't know. I I've been I looked at your podcast, and I you know looked back, and I don't know if you if you um, you know I don't know. I was just needing help trying to save 
stuff, and I, and I looked at the different topics, and I don't know if there's if if that was you know if that was something that you have a whole program for, but you know. Uh, well, Rebecca, you did call the right place at the right time because uh, the next after debt on this list that we're going through is savings. Uh, so, Nancy, you're a big fan uh, talking about specific savings accounts and what's a great place to save. So let's start there. Well, let me start, Rebecca, by asking, uh, are you employed? No, I'm on disability. Okay, um, because then I was going to suggest you look at a credit union, but you still may be able to access a credit union account. Um, do you receive disability payments? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm on SSDI. All right. So then what you probably want to do is set up something that's an automatic savings plan. And we are great proponents for making your saving and your investing automatic. Now, if you start small with maybe you can do $50 a month and set it up so you open a savings account or a money market account where Every month, that $50 goes in. Now, you may have some months where you think, gosh, I have to reach my hand back in and take that $50 out. But what happens for most people is once it goes into that savings account, you really think hard before you pull it back out. And if you can be disciplined about that and get used to a smaller amount that you're living on, then you will find that savings starting to grow. And we tell people to aim for maybe $1,000. For most people, if you've got $1,000 in savings, that's going to help you avert most crises that would come your way. You can say, gosh, there, there's that money, and it's going to be covered. Um, ultimately, you would like to then work your way to a higher amount. But if you're on disability, I would think having 1000 would be huge for you. Okay. Well, um, the, the idea of $50 a month sounds, sounds good. Okay. Maybe I could, could do that. And you might, wherever you're banking right now, you might go back to that bank to open a savings account and explain that that's what you're trying to do, and they can set it up and easily move that money over from the checking to the savings on a regular schedule. Actually, my thought, though, uh, what I did when I first started trying to get in the habit of saving is I – purposely picked a different financial institution. Uh, uh, to keep your hands out of it. Right. So it yeah, was easier. Yeah, that's a good point. Because like if you got to drive to the credit union to get something out of your savings account, again, that gives you the time to go over yeah. there and think, do I really need to do this? I've been saving hard. And and Kevin, that reminds me of the caller years ago who put the credit cards in, in the, the freezer. <laughs> do you remember that? Because, yes. okay, I can use them, but I've got to thaw them out. <laughs> so uh, just a couple of things coming to mind for me is especially setting up another account making sure there's not going to be fees when you're transferring money out, making sure you're not going to have overdraft fees, making sure just that they're not charging fees, especially when you're talking about saving $50 a month, a $25 overdraft fee is going to wipe out half of that. That's And, and I think that's crazy that banks do that, uh, but they do. Um, and another point with saving is it's more than just a dollar amount. It's that habit that you're building. It's that muscle that you're building of getting used to setting something aside and setting something aside every time. So 
yes, you're going to have times where you have to dip into it. But if you can maintain that habit, that is, that is the best thing about saving is being consistent and being realistic with yourself about that savings. Um, and then one last thing you mentioned your own disability. Do you, uh, well, you, know, you don't have to answer this on air, but if you receive, uh, Medicaid, any, any Medicaid services, then there's very often some limits on the assets you have in your own name. And they are, let me tell you, very harsh. Uh, you're not allowed to keep very much money. Uh, so watch out for that. Uh, if, if, if you are potentially running afoul of those asset limits, there are but able accounts. Yeah, probably if, but if she's on disability, she's actually on the Medicare rolls. Okay. That is that's a fair point, but just yeah. something to be watching out for folks and um and and just being aware of that, but that may not be an an issue. All right, uh, Rebecca. Go ahead. Thank you. No, I was just saying thank you. I I, I didn't know that about the Medicaid part. So, I mean, I guess I am, I'm on Medicaid and Medicare. So, right. You're doing both. Uh, and I would just say, Rebecca, finally, the last thing is just get started. Just get started. Yep. Start that habit. And along your savings journey, if you ever have another question, we're always here for you. We appreciate your call and say congratulations. And again, again, having been down this road myself, when you get a good amount in there, the good feeling you have knowing that you've started saving and that you're continuing to do it is a little bit of a mental boost to go along for some financial uh, comfort as well. So we appreciate your calling in this morning. We're glad you found Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. As promised, we've got some calls to get to, and we start in Gulfport. Nora has called in today. Good morning, Nora. Go ahead. Good morning. I have a suggestion for loaning money to a family member. Oh, okay. Well, I was able to help a grandchild get a credit started by using a shared secured loan through my credit union. And as payments are made, the money goes back into my savings account. Um, I've had very good luck with my grandkids doing this. Just a thought. That's a fantastic point and uh, also something to look at if you are looking to help someone build their credit. A lot of a lot of banks, a lot of uh, uh, credit unions do offer some sort of credit building loan. Uh, you mentioned it was a secured loan. That's very often a great place to start. So you do have to have some cash saved up. But if that if that security comes from somebody else and they have a little loan, I think that can be a great idea. And it also very often includes some education about the process. Thanks, Nora. Good suggestion. Been, Go ahead. It's been very beneficial for two grandkids, so I'm, I'm pleased I was able to do it. Well, they've got a great-grandmother. All right. Knock it out. <laughs> I love this show. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for calling in this morning. Uh, our co-worker, my co-worker, Abram, came in and, and had an interesting question for us that we can tackle here, and that was that he is trying to pay off his car note and uh, I think he said he had the ability to pay it off early, but he was wondering, should he open like a savings account and then accumulate the money in the savings account and pay off in kind of one lump sum? Or is it better to just maybe pay extra on the principal each month uh, as the car note gets paid off? So what are your thoughts on that one? And I want to preface this with a lot of Nancy mentioned a car note is not necessarily bad debt. It could be a very good thing. But uh, we did ask him what his interest rate is. And he, uh, and I quote, it is 
bad. Yeah. So yeah. Even in, say. yeah. in that case, if it is a painful interest rate for you, because if uh, some car loans can be very expensive, I've seen I've seen ridiculous numbers. Better to pay it off as quickly as you can. So if you you if you wait to the end of the month, then you're going to pay the interest for the month. But if you have the money at the beginning of the month, go ahead and knock that out. So uh, as 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 the money comes in, and it's assuming that he's got his cash flow issues sorted out, so he's not going to you know, paying you know early to save ten dollars in interest isn't going to lead to a twenty five dollar overdraft fee. We got to make sure we got the cash flow figured out. Uh, make sure that's not going to result in an emergency. Uh, but yes, paying it earlier will result in less interest. And he used the word bad. So we bad. can assume that that rate on his loan is much higher than the best rates you can get on savings I, accounts right I, now. I assume, yes. Yeah. I, I assume that it, it hurts when he when he pays it. <laughs> All right. I've got a couple of minutes left, and we were talking about debt as one of the to- financial topics that we should uh, master. And uh, so let's talk about two concepts uh, revolving and non-revolving debt. Ryder, tackle that one quickly, if you would. Yeah, so non-revolving is like a mortgage, uh, like a, a, a most many personal loans, many car loans. They have a you get a lump sum at, at one point, and you have a series of payments to make. There's not a whole lot of flexibility there. You can pay faster, but you can't pay slower than the minimum. Uh, revolving debt is debt that you you have access to. You can dip in and out of it. So we've talked about credit cards. Uh, that is a type of revolving debt. That is kind of the, the classic one because you can access that credit anytime. You can pay back kind of whenever you want. They do have a minimum payment there, but it is very small in comparison to the overall your overall access. And uh, HELOCs uh, are very often in some way revolving debt, at least for a period where you are just allowed to access that money. You don't have to you don't have to get it all at once. You can you can get a little bit at a time. You can pay it off as you as you can and as you want to. So that's revolving debt. It's just it's kind of always there for you to access. Whereas again, non-revolving, it's very much fixed in place uh, what your payments are going to be when you're going to receive money. And it's generally just that one lump sum at the beginning. And Nancy, one of the other concepts, and I know that you talk about this a lot on the show, secured versus unsecured debt. Right. So secured debt is um, secured by some sort of asset. When you take out a loan to buy a car and you don't make those payments, they take your car. If you don't make payments on your mortgage, they can repossess your house. Um, but a credit card is unsecured debt. And this is where we find people get so in a panic because they're struggling to make payments and they have bill collection collectors contacting them constantly. And so they'll make a payment on an unsecured debt rather than their secured mortgage or their secured car loan, which can be taken from them. If you don't make payments on unsecured debt, they're going to wreck your credit. Yes, that's for sure. But they can't come and take your stuff. There's no stuff that's backing up that loan. So be careful on that uh, and how you approach that. Any unsecured debt is typically going to have a higher interest rate than secured debt. And uh, always things to keep in mind about uh, trying to, if you, debt is that uh, know your terms ahead of time, what the interest rate is, what minimum payments might be, that sort of thing. Read the fine print because any account that you open is a contract and somewhere in there it says how it's going to work. And also just know good debt versus bad debt. 
That's I always like to maybe have a takeaway, <clears throat> excuse me, from the, the the show, and I think that that's a good one. Is that when you think about debt, as we said, there are good debt and bad debt. So keep that in mind uh, when you think about uh, going into debt in in the first place. Uh, you know, money uh, money at mpbonline.org. That is our website. And again, sometimes we don't get an opportunity to address emails on the air, but rest assured that you will get a reply to your email from either Nancy and or Ryder with uh, the information that you're looking for. And if you ever have a topic suggestion, things that you might want to hear us discuss on the show, you could send in that via the email machine as well. So Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter-Jamson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.